0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Before we get started, I have a couple housekeeping items that I wanted to go over. First one being, thank you, everyone, for your patience while I roll out this next episode. I had a lot of transitions happening in my personal life, which made it hard to prioritize posting on the podcast. But we're back and we're going. So thanks for your patience. And then the next thing is... Hello to all of our new international listeners. Uh, thank you for tuning in, and I'm excited to see where this journey goes. On that note, let's get to our first international guest, all the way from India. Uh, I am super excited to share this episode with you. It's so much cool information. Uh, that I was personally learning this entire episode, and you can probably tell by my voice. So let's get to it. Hello, welcome to the Science You podcast. And today we have Dr. Minas, a dermatologist and trichologist, uh, ready to talk with us from all the way from Pune, India. The Oxford of the East. Super, super excited and really excited to have you're my first international guest on this podcast.
1: Oh wow, that's so, that's amazing. I'm equally thrilled. Yeah.
0: About- yeah, and we and and when I checked the analytics this morning, the podcast officially has international followers in over ten countries. Oh so, wow,
1: that's amazing. Congratulations, Delaney. Yeah.
0: That's pretty exciting, Um, but I'm super excited to have you on today. So, uh, Dr. Minas, if you want to introduce yourself a little more and explain a little bit more about what you do and who you are.
1: Right. Uh, Thanks, Delaney. So, um, thank you for having me on this uh, podcast. I really appreciate it. And I hope that uh, people enjoy this uh, informative as well as scientific content. Uh, So I'm Dr. Meenaz Koja, practicing aesthetic dermatologist and trichologist from the city of Pune in India. I've been practicing for the past seven years, uh, and I deal with hair, nail, and skin disorders, as well as cosmetic concerns.
0: Awesome. Cool. So uh, what would you say, like, got you really into this area of study? Is it something that you always knew as a kid you wanted to do or was there like a certain event in your life that made you really want to dive into this topic?
1: Right Uh, so uh, I knew as a child that I'd be a doctor because uh, both my parents are doctors and uh, I've grown up you know seeing them and I always thought that oh this is a really cool field you know trying and saving lives and uh, really giving a a life to somebody, and I don't think there could be anything better than that in your life. Uh, So I really wanted to become a doctor, and I did become a doctor, but as a child, I thought that I'll become a pulmonologist because my father is a pulmonologist, and uh, so I thought that, you know, I'll probably, you know, uh, follow his legacy. But uh, after I finished my, uh, you know, undergraduation, I realized that uh, it's a very demanding field, pulmonology is a very demanding field. And I've never seen my father really, um, you know, have one proper meal or, you know, uh, like even even spend quality time with us maybe for a movie or for a social gathering. He was never around, you know, know, so he had to always leave work and then go. Uh, He had to leave the function and go midway. So I realized that this is not something that I want to do all my life. Maybe for a few years, yes, I can do that. But uh, in the long run, I might want something that is a little more, um, you know, laid back or at least something that I can plan my life with. So that's when I took up Dermatology.
0: That makes sense. Yeah, that's kind of, I feel, you know, we when we grow up and we see our parents doing what they do and obviously a lot of us want to be as successful as our parents, but we also do observe other things that we don't necessarily like about that field, True, which kind of does shift our focus a little bit differently, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: You mentioned that there is there's people who self-proclaim as the trichology or trichologists you've uh, you told me before we started recording that there was um there's people in India who self-proclaim just as
1: that Mm-hmm. So can you can you explain that a little bit further and what all that is? Yes. So by convention, a dermatologist is a doctor who you know specializes and studies like for years together uh, to treat the disorders of the skin, hair, and nail, along with many other infections and uh, many cosmetic concerns or the aesthetic part of skin, hair, and nail. Uh, unfortunately, uh, not only in India, but even other places, I think now this trend of trichology, you know, this separate uh, subsect of trichology uh, has emerged over the period of uh, past few years, maybe. And uh, uh, this is nothing but a self-proclaimed degree or self-proclaimed diploma, perhaps. And this is just um, not, not really a subspecialty of dermatology. So by default, all dermatologists do treat skin, hair and nail along with cosmetic concerns so you don't really need to um you know visit another doctor for your hair hair problems or hair fall or thinning of hair or baldness your dermatologist is the doctor that you should go to uh, unfortunately because of this growing trend of you know um it's a fad you know to uh, you know, call themselves as trichologists mm-hmm. and hair specialists. So, you know, oh, no, no, I don't deal with the skin. I deal only with the hair. But that that thing does not exist. So that's why I would, you know, like to take this opportunity to kind of um, make people understand that the dermatologist is by default a trichologist and an onychologist, which is a nail specialist. So let's not divide it further than what it already is. It's yeah. already a specialty dealing with all these subjects. And I think we should leave it at that.
0: Mm-hmm which that is super important information um, because obviously I don't know a ton about India's healthcare system, but Mm -hmm. in the U S there's a lot of stuff like that to get us to pay more money to -hmm. the healthcare system um, where we'd have to get referrals or stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Or people in general with like no medical degrees claiming to be people with this cure all stuff like that. Um, yeah. And so I think it's super, super important to stay on top mm-hmm. of when issues like that are coming up in industries before they get too far in. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, uh, yeah, like I said, that uh, a lot of uh, uh, people are self-proclaimed or imposters of uh, being a, a hair specialist while in reality, they are not. They're just like, you know, uh, probably not even Mm -hmm. science graduates who are dealing with skin and hair. Um, They just have probably a salon and uh, they're dealing with these conditions and they are prescribing creams literally like prescribing medicines and creams uh, so yeah but not yeah. not so much in the science uh, faculty per se but we do have a lot of um, uh, in the medical fac- uh, fraternity we do have a lot of people uh, who have done a particular alternative medicine course and uh, they are practicing another medical fraternity course altogether so so if uh, i'm not aware of uh, i'm not aware if you are uh, familiar with the term ayurveda uh-uh. Yeah. So uh, a lot of uh, in India now crosspathy is legally allowed, but until th- now it wasn't allowed. So a lot of people who were uh, Ayurvedic practitioners or homeopathic practitioners uh, would practice allopathy, that is the normal modern science, m- normal uh, modern medical science, and uh, so that's that's mm-hmm. probably the biggest uh, uh, disadvantage uh, over here. But uh, other than that, now that it is legalized, I think they are also going to be uh, upping the game and uh, trying to keep up with the latest trends. So I think overall it's fine. But um, yeah, so to a certain extent it does affect us, but uh, I think it's okay. Uh, I think there's more access okay. to people that way uh, because there's a, a acute shortage of doctors, uh, modern medicine doctors in India. So uh, these other alternative uh, therapy practitioners are uh, multiple and uh, they are based in villages mm-hmm. and towns. So the government thought that rather than, you know, uh, waiting for another 10, 12 years before people practice, start, you know, uh, educating and uh, getting the degrees in modern medicine, why not just convert the people of alternative medicine already existing and practicing uh, to legally just uh, practice allopathic medicine. So I think that was just to bridge the gap of uh, uh, the population versus doctor ratio, just to kind of get that better, that ratio better.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And that kind of, it sounds familiar a little bit to some things that are starting to happen in the United States with um, incorporating more Eastern medicine practices mm-hmm. as opposed to our Western healthcare system. Right. And so there's been actual genuine medical degree programs popping up that focus in naturopathic medicine mm-hmm. where you can specialize in like Chinese medicine and stuff like that. But it's, you have to do and pass everything that a normal doctor would have to cool. Um But your focus of study is just a little bit more with the natural impact and and which is really cool. And I'm sure we're going to see some some cool things coming out of that within research in itself. But that's super interesting. And that's kind of I'm excited to see where where that can all lead between all of our medical industries. Yeah, I
1: think I think the holistic approach would be the best because I'm sure each science has. Uh, something to offer to the patient, you know, I can't really claim that only modern mm-hmm. medicine will work or only Eastern medicine will work or only Ayurveda will work. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. when it's done all together as a whole, like treating the patient as a whole, I think we should get best results that way.
0: Yeah, which makes which makes 100% sense. And I'm sure as someone who works so much with skin, skin can tell a lot about people's health. Yes, right? absolutely.
1: So we call skin the mirror of internal health.
0: Interesting. I haven't heard that one, but it makes a ton of sense. So what would you say are some some of the bigger indicators that something internally is going on a little more seriously? Yeah.
1: So uh, the commonest probably uh, in the US would be something known as a malar rash or a butterfly rash that you generally get on your cheeks. Right, so it could be something as mm-hmm. harmless mm-hmm. as a sun allergy, or as uh, mild as a rosacea, and it could also reflect mm-hmm. uh, as an internal um, process of lupus erythematosus. Right, so so just the the malar rash could you know represent so many other conditions or so many other. Uh, it needs to be investigated. You know, you can't just leave a malar rash out mm-hmm. just because oh this is just a rash, let it go right? Even some infections can cause that rash. So this is just one particular example that you would, uh, you know, relate with. Others being just chronic itching. So a lot of people think that, you know, itching is, ah, it's okay, just a little itchy, that's all. But uh, itching, I'm telling you, uh, we've had patients who cannot sleep for years together and you know for days on end uh and who are so frustrated because they can't sleep because of the itching and it's just like generalized pruritus generalized Mm -hmm. itching on the body on the body and there have been cases and instances although rare that uh, people have given up their lives they've just you know jumped off the building because they couldn't really control the itch and they were so frustrated with it yeah so uh yeah people People I'm, feel that, you know, skin is, ah, oh, you're just a skin doctor. You're just going to prescribe for acne and, you know, oh, fungal infections and itching. That's all big deal. But it's it's really a big deal. People who are suffering from itching, you know, you can ask somebody who's been having a chronic eczema or a chronic itch, and they'll tell you how frustrating it can get.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's, well, and to address, like, the obvious fact about your your type of study is, The skin is the largest organ and the most important one. Yes, because
1: it's seen. So it makes sense. Because it's on the external area, uh, it's seen by everybody. So, you know, Mm -hmm. although you may have, like, hypertension or diabetes or even a stroke history, you're not going to be bothered about that because nobody can tell you from far, oh, my God, this guy is diabetic, you know, because it's not going to uh, show up on your skin. However, if you have acne, everybody's going to point out, oh, what happened to your face? What's wrong with you? Are you not eating well? Are you not sleeping well? Mm -hmm. You know, so, yeah, yeah. So a lot of people are yeah. affected by it because it's embarrassing sometimes uh, having a skin condition, and there's a lot of stigma attached to it as yeah. well,
0: yeah, no, absolutely. I know um i obviously, I'll keep them anonymous, but a friend of mine they've been struggling with psoriasis, right. and they're very young, mm-hmm. and it they've expressed multiple times that it like it's and which I can only imagine for anyone with psoriasis that it's hard to talk about because it, it can look pretty gnarly Yes,
1: absolutely. and there's stigma. Yeah. And, and to think of it, 2% of the world population suffers from psoriasis. So it's not that it's a rare entity or something of that sort. It's fairly common and uh, people with psoriasis mm-hmm. need to be accepted uh, in the society just as any other person because uh, it's not really contagious and it's not going to spread by touch. So they shouldn't really be, you know, uh, discriminated against.
0: Yeah. And so what do you, so what do you know in your experiences with psoriasis? Is there, you were talking about how, you know, our skin is a mirror of our internal health. So do you know what that like the internal health aspect of that might be connected to, or if there is so any?
1: psoriasis could be an internal, uh, something known as autoimmune, it's, a, it's an autoimmune disorder. So which means that your, your okay. white blood cells, that is your, um, you know, the fighting, the immune mechanism of your body is not recognizing some part of your skin, right? And some cells in your skin are going yeah. to be acting against it right so they they are kind of okay. recruiting an army against your own skin not realizing that it's their own so this is one of the conditions that right. autoimmune disorders encompass like there are various others like alopecia areata lupus erythematosus um joint pains mm-hmm. rheumatic uh, you know rheumatoid arthritis and all that stuff so yes uh, this is one of the factors yeah. but yeah sometimes psoriasis can also be uh, a manifestation of a paraneoplastic syndrome so a person who never had psoriasis and uh, all their life maybe in their late uh, you know elderly state and never had psoriasis and then all of a sudden they get full-blown psoriasis or a lot of psoriasis that could be because of uh, Mm -hmm. an underlying cancer in the body and that that could be one of the reasons as well Mm -hmm. not always though but yes and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's also hereditary
0: yeah yeah and and also, we do know that rate, cancer rates are Absolutely. rising in yeah, general. Yeah. And so I that is something to be super aware of is if you have new conditions popping up to really take them seriously. Because knowing that, you, like you said, and I'm going to repeat it again, that our skin is a mirror of our internal health is super yeah. important because I can tell like... For example, I'm really stressed and so I'm getting more like cystic type Mm -hmm. acne and I've been super stressed lately obviously and that's now started to become a problem for me and but in reality i know that it's because i'm carrying a lot of stress and that was a huge change in my life but my skin is reflecting yes. that
1: and and unfortunately it's a it's like a vicious cycle you know because you're stressed you're going to get cystic acne because of the cystic acne you're going to be embarrassed about how you look and you're going to be more stressed about it so this cycle like never really never exactly. really ends
0: let's dive into that a little bit more about cuz there's a lot of teenagers who listen to this podcast and obviously big issue with teenagers mm-hmm. is acne and feeling very embarrassed about it and, you know, trying to cake on, you
1: mm-hmm. know,
0: makeups or skincare right. products and stuff like that. And so how, what would your advice for people who are, have a lot of insecurities around their acne, what would you what would be your biggest piece right. of advice right so for that?
1: so first of all acne is absolutely absolutely normal so don't feel embarrassed about it don't end up squeezing it out or popping it out because that's only going to leave you with hideous scars for the rest of your life okay so don't touch your acne unless you're applying a medicine on it don't pop them don't squeeze them end of story okay uh, you should wash your face two to three times <laughs> a day at least so keep it uh, keep it hydrated as well as um clean Uh, So a lot of people think that because they have acne, they shouldn't be using a moisturizer. But that's not true. A lot of people with acne have dry skin and that's when the acne gets itchy. Right. So you end up scratching it and breaking it. Mm -hmm. And as a byproduct, you get scars. Uh, Like I said, they're going to last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you don't want something Mm -hmm. that's going to be with you all your life, uh, acne, you shouldn't break your acne right? Use a sunscreen whenever you're going out. Always make sure the products that you're using on your face, be it a cleanser, moisturizer, or sunscreen, or even makeup, make sure that it says on the label that it's non-comedogenic or non-acnegenic or safe for acne-prone skin, right? For makeup, also use products that are water-based or powder-based than oil-based products, right? Okay. and drink, drink lots of yeah. water okay you have lots of water sweat it out uh, mm. make sure that you wear loose cotton clothes dab your face whenever it's sweaty just dab it with a plain cotton cloth or a, a paper tissue you know a, mm-hmm. a paper towel is fine just wipe it clean and then throw it off mm-hmm. or just plain, rinse it with plain water don't use uh, too, too harsh a face wash or a face soap because it's going to make your skin dry right so it's it's not really going to help you with you know reducing your acne but it's just going to make your skin dry and itchy so don't use very harsh products don't use salicylic acid based face wash too many times a day you can use it if you have oily skin but make sure that it's not drying your skin out in the process so once or twice is fine you can use salicylic acid based face wash if your skin is really oily or just uh, splash it with water drink lots of water and apply creams so don't don't ignore your acne because everybody in in their teenage uh, years gets acne uh, very few people are blessed with you know with no acne at all but then those people like me uh, like yeah. me for, my, for example uh, I started developing acne at the age of 26 and I'm like what I'm not a teen anymore why is this happening to me you know so yeah. I was like I was blessed all my life now what, what's wrong with my skin now right so uh yeah but mm-hmm. a lot of people so basically everybody will get acne throughout at least one one period of your time one period of your life will have acne so don't worry about it just uh don't let it embarrass you it's absolutely normal it's a part of growing up and uh, make sure that you take the right treatment don't apply any over-the-counter creams without a doctor's prescription because it's going to do more harm than good and uh yeah so follow mm-hmm. your doctor's advice and don't ignore it cool
0: yeah for sure and so i know that there's a lot of especially in skin and hair care a ton of what we call kind of snake oil salesmen um and it's there's a lot out there there's a lot of stuff that you should not be putting on your skin um or your hair from what i've Gathered, so what would you say are some of the most common products you see that are the most
1: problematic for skin right. and hair? so uh, so in um in I'm not sure if you get these creams over the counter in the u s uh, but a lot of creams that are miracle creams. You know, they say that you apply it, you apply it and mm-hmm. you apply tonight and you're going to be all glowing and you're free of acne tomorrow. That does not happen. OK, uh, anything mm-hmm. that is scientific, anything that is yeah. logical and sensible is going to take its time to show results. OK, so make sure that you don't fall prey it to these uh, false tall claims because that is going to mess your skin up bad. And the other thing is that you shouldn't use anything. Any cream, even if it's a cream, you feel, oh, it's just an ointment. It's just a cream. Let me apply it and see. You know, somebody recommended it. Uh, I bought it from a store. I bought it from a salon. I bought it from a lady uh, who goes, you know, house to house trying to sell, uh, make Mm -hmm. a sale of these creams, these magic creams. Uh, So most of these have steroids. Okay. So if there's something that is going to act quickly on your face. Uh, and give you very good results or very good glow, that's probably going to have a steroid. So I think cortisone creams are available over the counter in the US. And that is, uh, if you use it over a period of time, it's just going to do more harm than good. So I think without a prescription, even a simple cream shouldn't be used, honestly. So that is something that uh, you really need to be taking care of. The other thing is, um, so a lot of uh, salons, they say that, uh, you know, for the hair straightening, right so hair straightening i think now straight hair mm-hmm. is the new in thing it's very in vogue uh so a lot of people say that oh get your hair straight and your mm-hmm. hair is so curly it's so wavy why don't you just straighten it out and it'll look fabulous and you look so stunning and blah 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 and uh, then they say i don't know i don't want to lose mm-hmm. hair because uh straightening smoothening aqua botox hair um rebonding anything of these things is going to damage your hair and it is going to lead to hair fall and Mm -hmm. massive hair fall at that right so be careful be wary of these things because these are going to damage your hair no matter how much they say oh this is just a cysteine this is just a keratin therapy uh, it's just a protein therapy that's actually going to be nourishing your hair but no so anything that changes your texture of the hair uh, for a longer period of time it is going to damage your hair because it's breaking the bonds in the hair and making it straighter. So your original texture of the hair is wavy or curly and it's making it dead straight. That means it's breaking the bonds. So it's okay for temporary procedures. You can do like ironing or steaming or blow drying to just kind of set that for a function or an event, but don't go for something that is going to be a little more permanent. That is going to damage your hair in the long run. So these two things would be my take home point. That is super awesome to know.
0: Well. We've had a few questions Mm -hmm. from people uh, and I I think we addressed one of them already. So we have a listener, we have a lot of listeners who do things like van life or tiny living where they will live out of like vans that they converted into tiny homes, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Uh, And it can be really hard with the lack of Mm -hmm. space that they have to have products to clean their face and people would like to know what you suggest for a very
1: simple low maintenance skin cleaning skin routine skin cleaning routine so generally a good cleanser it could be either a foaming or a non-foaming cleanser according to your skin type right so if your skin is uh, dry or normal you can use a creamy or a foaming uh, cleanser or even a, a a cleanser without water Mm -hmm. like you know like Cetaphil has a cleansing lotion a gentle skin cleanser which does not really lather or foam and you can use it even on a cotton so you can use it like without water so you can save water there Uh, just take it on a piece of cotton wipe it clean and then chuck the cotton right? If you have an oily skin or you're going out, you're an outdoor person and there's a lot of muck or dirt that is going to get acc- accumulated on your face, uh, you need something that's going to be slightly stronger. And you can use like a lathering or a foaming face wash. Uh, there's Aderma, there's there's Cibamet okay. <laughs> foaming face wash. Uh, these are the international products that I'm listing so that everybody uh, can, you know, avail of these uh, tips. So you can use that Uh, for acne prone skin. Mm -hmm. You can use a salicylic acid based face wash or a glycolic acid based face wash, uh, which is going to lather a bit, but in the process going to make your skin a little dry. So especially in the winters, be a little careful. And once you're done washing your face, use a good moisturizer according to your skin type again, so that your hydration, skin hydration is not affected.
0: Okay, cool. And then so for the skin moisturizers, this question is definitely something i'm curious about because i use i use rosehip oil so what would you like what are your thoughts on rosehip oil and
1: if i should not be using that what would so you if you recommend? have acne-prone skin, any form of oil is probably going to block your pores, increase your acne. So if you have acne-prone skin uh, and oil is probably not the best thing that you should be using as a moisturizer, you can use gel-based moisturizers <laughs> or you can use uh, cream-based moisturizers which which explicitly mention on the label that this is suitable for acne-prone skin. Some of the brands that should be available the world over would include Neutrogena, Cibamide moisturizing cream, Cetaphil moisturizing cream, Aween, Aveeno. All these are very good products, Physiogel uh, by Stiefel. So all these are very good products for um, keeping your skin moist uh, and nice. Uh, ucerin or Aquaphor is going to be good, but it's a little greasy for the face. So unless the product says that this is uh, suitable for acne-prone skin, you shouldn't use it on the face. Right. If you don't have acne prone skin, you can use rosy yeah. oil or olive oil or baby oil on your face as a moisturizer. That will definitely help. Even vitamin E oil or vitamin E capsules, you can cut open and then, you know, just uh, pour it in a glass bowl and then apply it on the face and neck. That will also work. But again, if it's too oily and if you're acne prone, this is not recommended for you.
0: OK, Good to know. I'm I'm very grateful I don't have acne prone skin. I only there usually is. get it when I'm stressed. <laughs> but I do have pretty severe dry skin, so that's why yeah, I that started have using rosehip oil. So, and it 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 did. It does make a world of difference after a couple weeks. You really right. notice it. Cool. That is awesome. Okay, and then another question from a listener. So, dry cuticles. You've probably seen this I would imagine with COVID and the amount of hand sanitizer being used, but dry cuticles. Um, how would you how would you help with that, or what would your suggestion so be for cuticles, that? So dry cuticles.
1: So basically, there's this trend uh, that every time you go for a manicure, you kind of push the cuticles or cut the cuticles. Uh, so this may seem fancy because it makes your nails <laughs> look really clean and neat, and uh, you know longer, perhaps. But uh, this is actually not recommended by dermatologists because cuticle is a protective uh, layer that protects the nail from outside injury and insults, right? So if you have been using the sanitizer and if you uh, mm-hmm. cut the cuticles or push them back, the sanitizer is directly going, uh, be going into the skin, into the nail fold. And that that's going to cause uh, an infection or pain or, you know, a pus uh, sort of thing so it's not recommended the first thing i would suggest is do yeah. not cut your cuticles so you can definitely go for a manicure, pamper yourself uh, apply a nail polish or whatever you like but make sure that you do not uh, push the cuticles or cut the cuticles that is doing more harm than good uh, the second thing is you should maintain hydration well so for your face as well as your body moisture as well as a good nails you should have enough of water so that your body is not deprived of hydration right third thing you can use moisturizers like uh, petroleum yeah. jelly or any of these moisturizers that i've uh, you know enlisted before uh, to kind of massage the nails or the cuticles so that the uh, they, they do not get dry okay and even if they are hanging a little bit we call them hang nails or we call them dry cuticles it's very tempting to kind of peel it off right uh, to kind of pick on it and play with it so uh, resist yeah. that temptation because um, it, it may feel good, but, uh, you know, it's going to harm you in the process. So it's, again, like a cycle. The more you pick on it, the more you peel it, the more it's going to eat up. So every time it grows a little bit, you're just going to be tempted to kind of remove it or cut it. So just, you know, kind of massage it or massage around that nail so that you feel it feels softer and it, you can resist the urge to kind of peel it off.
0: Nice. That makes, and that makes a lot of sense. I'm not the type of person to typically go get my nails done, but I did back in October and I had gotten acrylic nails for Halloween. Yeah. I don't normally do any of this at all, but I was like, you know what? If I'm going to get my nails done, I'm going to go full blown. And they did, they cut back my cuticles. And for like, from after, from basically from the moment Mm -hmm. I got on the nails, Up until, I would say, like a week ago, my cuticles were pretty tender, pretty dry, pretty sore, and not feeling super great. And my nails were super weak after the acrylics came off. And the acrylics were on for not even two weeks. And. All the nail that was underneath
1: it it was just like
0: right. so, breaking so the off. the thing is
1: that the acrylic nails, although it's in, in vogue again, but the thing is that it's going to have a lot of glue and a lot of chemicals that are going to be stuck onto your nail. Um, and it is going to make your nails weak and brittle. Mm-hmm. So once you remove the acrylic thing, um, it's going to leave you with very um, shabby and very weak nails so it's okay for a one time thing like you did but people who are getting it done regularly uh, should really avoid that if they want healthy nails
0: that makes sense so what are are there any things that they can put on their nails to help strengthen them so that they don't have right. to get so, acrylics um,
1: so the the thing is that acrylic nails are very uh, popular these days because uh, people can't really grow their nails that long um and uh, you know they either Are fragile or brittle Mm -hmm. and you know uh, they can't grow them and they can't paint them well Uh, so that's why these acrylic nails are in trend but uh, if you have a good nutritious balanced diet with good enough enough, uh, proteins and uh, biotin so biotin is also essential for your hair as well as the nails so it's going to make your skin and hair and nails better so biotin omega-369 fatty acids Okay. Um, All these are going to, vitamin E, all these are going to make your skin and nails and hair better. So you can have more of this in your diet as well as take supplements. If your nails are very weak, you can take a few supplements as well. Uh, to paint them, you can use uh, these Sally Hansen uh, nail protective uh, polishes. You get like these transparent coats. So you can apply uh the transparent uh, nail lacquer that you can apply over these uh, nails to kind of give them a little added strength and use this as your base coat and over that you can use your nail polish to kind of strengthen them
0: cool that's really awesome to know because there is a lot of there's a lot of companies in the u.s who sell skin hair and nail vitamins or stuff like that that have a lot of what you just said (laughs) to use (laughs) to help but you never know because the in the u.s the supplement industry is not mm-hmm. federally regulated by anyone. So you you don't even know if you're actually getting right. those vitamins mm-hmm. they claim in the products when you're when you're taking them. But that's good to know that watching for those keywords in supplements or products for your hair and nails and stuff that right. that is right. genuinely something to look for. What has your most interesting experience been? in your field what is like was there something that you a challenge you overcame that you were very pleased and surprised about um
1: or uh, so like i would you know be uh, talking about two conditions one would be a therapeutic um case or a, a case of infection uh, so this uh, in india especially so this part of the country uh, this part of the world uh, hansen's or leprosy i'm not aware if you guys are aware of this term uh, but leprosy is a disease it's an infection basically uh, of the skin uh, as well as the nerves so uh, this is again the domain of a dermatologist so there are uh, india especially uh, a few you know pockets uh, have you know these endemic cases of leprosy so it uh, it's because it's A very slowly progressive disease. Um, You don't really pick it up well, uh, at least not for the non-dermatologists. Everybody cannot really diagnose it because it's not that common. And uh, a dermatologist specializes in detection and treatment of these diseases. So we had a case who had um, leprosy and he had full-blown leprosy. He was not diagnosed for many years. And uh, he had nerve involvement, so he couldn't walk, you know, properly. He couldn't button his shirt properly. He couldn't eat properly. He couldn't comb his hair. He couldn't climb steps. Uh, and he had these nasty uh, ulcers on wow. his foot, uh, you know, because uh, in leprosy you lose you lose sensation, oh right? So if somebody's poking you or pricking you, you're going to like completely yeah. by reflex withdraw, right? So if somebody's pricking your hand with a needle or something, you're going to withdraw your mm-hmm. hand. But uh, these people lose the sensation. So mm-hmm. the skin becomes anesthetic. So he, while he's walking, he cannot really feel whether he's walking on a stone or he's hurt himself or cut himself. Um, so he had these nasty ulcers on his foot. Yeah. Um, and he was very depressed about it. And because, again, it's it's an infection. So uh, there's a lot of sti- stigma attached to it. And yeah. uh, like you must be aware of the term lepers. Mm-hmm right so so people with leprosy are, mm-hmm. are tagged as lepers so basically a lot of people um discriminate against them and do not let them touch you or uh, you know get into your social circle um so more than the social stigma yeah it's so wrong Which because is so, an infection could happen to anybody yeah
0: it's it's wrong and it's yeah and it's isolating and especially during this pandemic like i can only imagine how hard that is to feel connected to people when you're already being pushed away.
1: Right. So I had this uh, young fellow who had, you know, uh, leprosy. Uh, Fortunately, he came from a supportive family, but uh, because of the, you know, there were patches on the face and you can also get into reactions. So he had a reaction and we treated him for almost two years Uh, with anti-leprosy treatment and luckily he he couldn't drive the car because he didn't have enough of strength in his muscles because the leprosy also affects the muscles, the muscle strength and the Mm -hmm. muscle power. So he couldn't drive the car, he Mm -hmm. couldn't carry his child uh, because his arms were not strong enough uh so finally you know over a period of 2 years his mm-hmm. ulcers the foot ulcers were healed the patches on the face were much better uh his he regained the power and the confidence so he you know began uh, attending meetings and office and stuff um and uh, he can now drive um so and he can carry his child gleefully you know whenever uh-huh. the child wants to come and hug the the dad uh so he, so that was very rewarding for me do uh-huh. uh, you know awesome. give so giving life is one thing and making sure that it's worth it is another. So, um, you know, this this was really touching for me that mm-hmm. I, I was able to deal with it, diagnose it and treat it. Uh, so, yeah. So that this was something that was very satisfying. And the other thing was uh, the cosmetic part of it. So we feel that, you know, cosmetic is only for people who want to, you know, work in the film industry or in the advertising agency or whatever. Uh, it's only for the e uh, you know, class. But Mm -hmm. uh, the thing is, I had this Mm 29-year-old lady um, who aspired to become um, an air hostess or a uh, cabin crew member, right? So uh, she had these uh, very Mm -hmm. prominent dark circles, okay? And um, so dark circles, a a lot of it is because of Mm -hmm. the pigmentation as well. And she had these really deep grooves under her eyes. Right. So for for anybody, it would just be like, oh, this is just dark circles. Why don't you conceal mm-hmm. it? But she's like, even if I have to go buy vegetables, you know, from the market downstairs in my society, I, I can't uh, go and get it from, you know, there because I have to put makeup first. I can't really face people like this. It, it's very embarrassing. And uh, I've been rejected from uh, the interviews for the air hostess thing mm-hmm. for so many times. And now I've given up hope. And then I told her that, see, the problem is the pigmentation as well as the depression. So the grooves that you have are not going to go no matter what you apply, no matter what treatment you do. So this needs to be filled with something known as a dermal filler. Mm -hmm. Right. So these are hyaluronic acid based fillers that we Mm -hmm. inject under the eye or the cheeks to kind of give that fill up that groove or the depression that you have under the eye right so this is very safe when you do it with the right uh, specialist or uh, doctor and the plastic surgeons dermatologists are very good at this yes. so they know the, the science behind it the anatomy and the physiology or the, mm-hmm. the process the how it's going to work and we injected it within 15 minutes so this is like immediate result within 15 minutes the depression was better her dark circles reduced mm-hmm. by like say 50 percent and over the next month over the next month they got better and wow. she's like you know there was some remnant pigmentation for which I gave her creams to apply you know to reduce the pigmentation but she's like I'm not bothered about the pigmentation because now whenever I'm going out or something like that I can conceal it so she told me that why why didn't I meet you earlier you know because earlier it was yeah. so bad that I, I couldn't even conceal it that groove, you know it used to just cake my makeup used to cake over there so no concealer would work and uh, she told me why didn't I meet you earlier I would have become an air hostess much mm-hmm. before <laughs> So so she was like, I think that was yeah. also very rewarding. So I had, like, one therapeutic and one cosmetic indication. So I think these two stories really stand out for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and, like, you can just tell, like, you helped, you treated their skin condition, but you also treated a lot of, like, anxiety right. and confidence issues and stuff like that and completely improved absolutely. the whole quality of
1: their life absolutely so that's just helping was the their most skin. rewarding part i'd say
0: that's awesome uh-huh. i love i love hearing stuff like that well so You're obviously helping a ton of people um, in your life and helping them inadvertently manage Mm -hmm. their own confidence and stuff. What is something you do for yourself that helps your own mental health and dealing with stress and
1: um, whatnot in um, your own life? I, I love traveling, actually. And, uh, unfortunately in the last one year, none of us could really travel, but, uh, just before the lockdown, actually, uh, I got back from Australia for a month, mm-hmm. month long vacation, uh, come training in Australia for about a month. And I got back just in February and the, the lockdown happened in March. So I was like, Oh my God, perfect timing, perfect timing. I say. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. I've got onto this new uh, thing of solo yeah. travel. Uh, And I really like exploring places. And uh, so, of course, I have, uh, so wherever whichever country I choose to go, I generally have a few friends or relatives there just, you know, just as a backup plan in case something does go wrong and stuff like that. Uh, So, yeah, so Australia, I had a couple of Mm -hmm. friends there and I visited Australia and I I did travel around alone as well and did meet up with them. So I met up my school friends. Uh, So, yes, traveling is one thing. I also enjoy singing uh, and dancing a little bit. Uh so, yeah, whenever I'm frustrated or, um, you know, uh, irritated or I think I need a break, uh, then I just take a day off or something of that sort. So, I, I, of course, being a doctor, I need to plan it that, OK, this is the time that I'm going to give to myself uh, and I'm not going to be yeah. I can't do this anymore. I need like a, one day off. Uh, and another thing is uh, being a doctor, we have to attend a lot of conferences yeah. to update our knowledge, uh, skill set. You know, but uh, in the process, because it's going to be in different cities and different Mm -hmm. countries, the conferences. uh, So while presenting a paper, so I love doing that, you know, going for training or going for, paper presentations or presenting my work. Um, in the process, I, I do work plus uh, a vacation mm-hmm. kind of, vacation kind of a thing, you know? So I think that's the best way to utilize your time. Uh, you're going on work mm-hmm. as well as enjoying yourself. I think that's the best that you can do.
0: And I think, you know, you, you mentioning that you enjoy presenting and stuff at these conferences. I think that's super important to note is that whatever you do decide to do in life, it shouldn't necessarily That's That's always true. feel like work like there should there there should always be some Enjoy. aspect of the job Absolutely. that you genuinely Absolutely. always look forward to yeah and yeah and we i was talking with my best friend one of my roommates um and her fiance because i live with them and we were talking about how um her fiance and me, we, we reset by going outside and going rock climbing or skiing mm-hmm. or hiking, stuff like that. And we feel this sense of release doing that, and it helps our mental health. Whereas she explained it to us, that same feeling we get when we go outside is the exact same feeling she gets when right, she goes right. into the lab for her PhD research. And so like for her, her mental reset and all of that yeah. is going into the lab and doing science. And I think, I think that's super important because that's exactly why me and her fiance want to keep working in the outdoor industry is because that's what genuinely makes us happy and yeah. doesn't feel like work even though we are working. Whereas when she goes to a lab, that doesn't feel like yeah. work to her. It's a release to her. So I think you saying that you at these conferences like enjoy that aspect is super important. And to, I really like to make note of that for everyone listening. Because especially in the United States, I don't know about... I'm not super familiar with cultural norms in India. But there's this constant
1: pressure mm-hmm. to be old, successful
0: over. and to... Ch- yeah. And to, to mm-hmm. choose what you want to do very young and you're, it's kind of insinuated that you'll do cool. that the rest of your life. So make sure you're happy with it. But I think, you know, recently that ideal has been challenged pretty heavily. Like you mentioned in the beginning of um, when we started talking that, you know, you wanted to, your dad was a doctor. You wanted to follow that. And then you were like, oh, I don't really know if that's right. for me type situation. And you went into a different area of it. Like, And then you were like, well, I don't know if I want to do that forever and stuff like that. That's just so important is like that's you don't right. have to do one thing forever, you know. And we're we're humans just like just like our skin. It's always changing to our environments and our health and stuff like that. Like, why would something external be any different, like a job? If a job's no longer benefiting you, then move on in yeah. your health. Then just absolutely leave and, and find never, a new profession. It's never too so late to begin that's super, again, that's super you know,
1: to restart. It's never too late.
0: Absolutely. Well, that is awesome. Do you have
1: anything
0: Uh, else that you want to touch on at all?
1: Not really. I think we've covered most of it. Do you want me to talk about something in particular? I think we've pretty much
0: addressed most of it. Um, Has... So has COVID uh, yes, impacted has. So your a lot industry? of uh,
1: cosmetic procedures have been put on hold. Uh, so for uh, so both my parents are above sixty five and I live with them. So uh, I was being a little more cautious um, as regards uh, you know. So I had shut down my clinic for about eight months. Uh, just, you know, so I was consulting online via by, by video calls. And mm-hmm. uh, so, although my patients were still, you know, getting help from me or, you know, on treatment, uh, but the procedure part, so lasers and uh, chemical peels or Botox and fillers and threads and anti aging procedures were on hold uh, because I was not going to the clinic. So, yeah, that suffered a bit. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so I wouldn't say that ours was the worst hit uh, industry, honestly, because we could uh, still deal a lot with uh, online stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was hit to a great extent. Like a lot of people do not yeah. want to visit in the COVID times and especially the the elective procedures, which is going to be like planned. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. want to do that right now, you know? So to a certain extent, yeah, the revenue was affected, but I'd say there were yeah. people who were, you know, affected more, much more than we are. So I don't think we have any, any reason to complain, honestly.
0: India's response to COVID. What
1: was your guys' response right. over there? What so, did it look like? To you guys, right? So, uh, for, like uh, I wouldn't know about the US. the US in detail though, uh, how uh, you know it acted upon COVID, but uh, India took uh measures and uh, they, they implemented the measures and the safety protocols uh, pretty soon, um, in you know, uh, in this pandemic. So, uh, it did, um, you know, like of course, because of the population, uh, it did you know get out of hand to a certain extent, but the lockdown was. Um, in time and uh, people did follow it and Mm -hmm. stuff yeah so I think it was controlled pretty well although now I do see some uh, people being a little careless with no mask and you know not not following the social distancing protocol and stuff Uh, I think it's just Mm -hmm. rude I mean more than the government being involved I just think it's it's a personal level commitment that you need to do at your own level and uh, it's just a sign of respect you know wearing a mask in front mm-hmm. of the person when you're talking to them is um, is just a sign of respect I'd say it's just basic courtesy nowadays that you know you wear your mask and then you know talk to somebody yeah. because okay you may be you know immune to the condition or you may have had COVID just recently and you, you you're sure that you won't get it again but uh, you don't know the same about the other person and the, the other person's immunity so, although the person may seem uh hale and hearty yes. you you don't know what the person is suffering from, yeah. whether the person is on any antibiotics or any uh any steroids or something you know for a life saving condition, and you may end mm-hmm. up uh, you know harming them, so I think that it's just yeah you know it's like keeping your courtesy yeah you know, radar high
0: absolutely absolutely, well. Awesome. Thank you so much for everything. And I'm sorry it kind of got off to a late start because yeah, things weren't super clear on logging on. But um, yeah, I think, no, you're totally fine. That wasn't your fault. Like I said, I need to come up with a checklist for my guests so that they can check these things That's ahead okay. of time. No worries at all. But we're living and we learn. <laughs> I'm so glad you reached out to me. I do want to give a shout out to the group that you found me through. Um, Girls love travel. So if you're a female who loves traveling and loves to learn about uh, other women who like to solo travel, like Dr. Minas, you can join that group and link up with other females um, throughout the world and their adventures. And that's kind of where, from what I understand, that we found each other through Mm -hmm. glt love is the group um and it's free to join on facebook super (laughs) awesome lots of wonderful stories and interesting conversations that happen there um but cool well where can people find you if they have um, further questions? You want to yes. give a plug uh, so, to your Instagram uh, you can and on business. Instagram
1: and uh, my username is Dr. Minaz Koja. That's D R M E E N A Z K H O J A, or on Facebook with the same name.
0: Perfect. And so. I will attach those links in the show notes as well for people to hop on over to. Awesome. I'm. This was an awesome conversation and. I have learned so much from you and I hope that everyone listening can take away um, a lot from this episode because holy cow, you answered <laughs> questions that I didn't even no, it was know a I had.
1: It was a pleasure <laughs> being on this podcast. So, uh, thank you so much, Delaney.
0: <laughs> yeah, you have a great day. Stay safe too, out there and care. have a wonderful week.
1: Bye, see you.
0: Well, I don't know about you guys, but I learned a lot from this episode in interviewing Dr. Minas. If you want to reach out to her further or you're in India and want to contact her about services, you can find more of that info and her social media in the show notes. Uh, If you would like to have questions read on the podcast or stay updated with the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at the Science Hippie Podcast. It's spelled exactly like however it's titled on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And that is where I have been taking questions for my next guests as well as um, having little hints for people to be able to ask questions And, yeah, so if you want to stay updated on all of that, uh, there's also the website, www.thesciencehippie.com. And, yeah, that's where you can find that now. Uh, In honor of recording this episode on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, I wanted to leave you all with a little bit of wisdom from him. This is one of my favorite quotes, and that is, Darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that. And I think especially right now, we have to really hold that hope and compassion in our hearts as we really fight and strive and move forward to try to create a better and more inclusive and safer world for everybody. Uh, And that's one of my favorite quotes by him, and I hope take it um, for what you will. I hope you carry it in your heart as you move forward. 2021 has not been easy, and I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Uh, I just hope everyone is taking care of themselves out there, doing your best to keep healing yourselves and working through all of these negative emotions that might be coming up as the world processes and works through everything that's been happening and Just know that There cannot be good times without bad times and that's kind of the balance of that and that's a little sneak peek into um, some Zen Buddhism that I've been reading a lot about lately and how I've been kind of helping myself process everything that's been happening lately so i hope that helps you and i hope everybody has a great week i will be talking with you soon and again thank you for your patience and welcome to all of the new international listeners we have have a great day great night whenever you're listening to this and stay kind stay wild